Welcome to the latest United We Stand podcast, a daily podcast that brings you voices and opinions from across the world of hospitality. Today, we're joined by Angela Hartnett, owner of Michelin Star Murano in Mayfair, as well as the Cafe Murano Bieber Restaurants. Angela, thank you for joining us today. Pleasure, Stefan, a pleasure, no problem. Looking forward to chatting. It's been a while. Likewise, it has been a while. And and I'm sorry we can't do it face to face, but obviously social distancing and lockdown laws require that we do this over the phone. Um, Tell me, how did it feel? I mean, cast your mind back, you know, it's probably about a month now to to when you were told that you had to close all your restaurants. I mean, can you remember how that felt? Well, it was bizarre because I remember that week very clearly, actually, because on the Monday, we'd had a social distancing meeting with all our managers. We'd sort of called all the senior people into one of the restaurants and everyone was sitting like a metre apart. We basically planned how we would work through coronavirus over the next few weeks, given that suddenly bookings had dropped off the sort of cliff and that was before Boris said anything mm. and then literally by the end of that night when I was sitting there with man, uh, my CEO and SD and I said we're not going to be doing this in a week's time I said we're going to be closed I said you know because the bookings were just dropping and dropping and then by Wednesday once Boris had announced don't go near restaurants and theatres etc Wednesday we basically rang everyone in the morning said we need to meet everyone and we closed the restaurants Wednesday night I mean it was surreal um, I suppose the only good thing about doing it ahead of when the government announced we were able to walk around to each of the restaurants and see everyone mm-hmm. um, and just tell them face to face. And and at that time, we were telling people that they had to be on unpaid leave. You know, we were going to pay them all up till March. But other than that, that was as far as we knew. So fortunately, now we're in a position furlongs come in, which has helped everyone. So fingers crossed that all works out. Yeah. And furlough has been a has been a really useful thing for for, for many yes years. it's been extended as well do, do, yeah. do you think it needs to be extended again i mean because I mean, the government the messages from the government seems to be that but hospitality is going to be one of the last sectors to open is are you going to be reliant on furlough for for quite a long time do you think going forwards i think we are i think i think until they actually i think they probably have to do it even for a month into it you know, if we supposedly open the 1st of July, I think they should continue furloughing until the end of July, you know, just because I don't think restaurants are going to suddenly open and then you're going to be hitting the numbers you hit when you close, you know, I think because people aren't going to necessarily come out of the house straight away. People aren't going to want to sit in groups of, you know, 10 or 15 people. They're not going to want to be near one another. You know, so I think, I think it's going to be, it's, even if we're out of lockdown, I think it's going to still be easily another six months before we see the restaurant industry back to where it was and maybe longer. It could potentially be a year away, I think. I think there's a hell of a lot more to come out of this. I mean, without sounding pessimistic, but we're, you know, we're doing all the forecasting along with everyone else in the business. And we're looking at this time next year and, you know, are we going to be in a similar situation? Will they have got a vaccine? You know, I mean, there's so many implications. It's, it's, it's quite unreal, really. How do you think that's going to play out for the sector? I mean, that's the thing we're thinking of. We're obviously going to think about all the measures we might need to put in place. And I think in Hong Kong, speaking to people who've got restaurants over there, they've carried on through all of it. You know, they haven't done this lockdown in restaurants or closed them. But what they have done is told them to take tables out. They've restricted the size of the tables. People have to the hours are restricted. So I think a lot of that might come into play. And I think you need to be ahead of it before anyone else. 
you know, I don't think you let, not, not let customers dictate. I think by default, you're going to be dictated to. I think you need to sort of have that in place before you, um, you open up. So, you know, as we did in that week prior to lockdown, you know, there were more san- hand sanitizers around every restaurant and I've seen in my life and literally customers were coming in, sanitizing their hands, sitting down, going to the toilet, you know, so all those things that will be in place. I think the other thing is you have to think about is staffing levels, you know, given that, um, especially in London, the hospitality industry is very much, you know, probably 80% from Europe you know, people may want to go home because I think it's given everyone a time to reflect really about what the most important things in their life are. And a lot of people I'm sure will want to go home and not necessarily want to stay in London. A lot of people may decide they want to move out to the countryside, you know, away from the bigger cities. Um, So I think there's going to be a lot more, you know, a lot of complications about reopening and it won't be as simple as just open the doors and people flood into the tables. And what learnings do you think the industry will take from this? Well, I think everyone's going to reassess, reassess uh, probably their working hours, how they've worked, how their, their supply chains work. You know, I think more people are going to keep, I mean, we're very much based on locality anyway. Everyone buys local, everyone buys British, but I think even more so to cut down transportation and stuff like that. I think you're going to maybe look at the working hours of your restaurants. You know, do you need to do seven days a week? Maybe people open five days a week, you know, especially if the business is going to be quite disjointed at the beginning. I think what has come out of it is just how amazing people in the hospitality industry are. You know, you look what Jonathan Downey's done with this um, hospitality um, group he's set up, just sort of right into the chancellor, right into the people's, uh, the powers that be, to try and get all this furlough in place, to try and get a rent-free uh, um, time, etc. You know, you look at what Mark Lewis has done with um, the charity, you know, helping people that need money in hospitality, you know, hospitality action. You know, there's, you know, it's, it's, a, it's an incredible industry and, it, and it's only times and crises like this just show what an amazing industry we are. Um, positivities, yeah, I mean... There's lots of things where, you know, I just spoke to Sam, who's my exec chef, who literally the day before lockdown or two days before, I said, you know what, Sam, your parents are in South Africa. They could stop flights. They could do this. And I said, get back home before anything happens. And she did. She got one of the last flights to go back home. And I spoke to her today and she was so happy, you know, just to have, you know, it's not a great time. Everyone's worried. Everyone's nervous. But suddenly she's been given a month to just go and spend with her mum and dad. And, you know, and, and things like that are the positive things out of it. That, you know, she didn't have to take holidays. She's got the furlough and she can spend some great time with her, quality time with her mum and dad. So, you know, you've just got to sort of twist the positives and make them the better part of what this lockdown is. How vital do you think is, is this this nine-month rent-free kind of proposal that, that's being put to the government at the moment? I think I think that would... I could I think that could transform a lot of businesses because that's the thing you know I was just answering some questions before we spoke and someone said you know what people you know restaurants everyone looks at restaurants and think they're just money machines and I can understand why people think that because you know money exchange you know exchanges hands it feels like well I can buy oranges and you've put a mark up on them or whatever but actually you know when you break it down you know you pay 25% rent you pay 20, you know, if you look at it as 100, 25% rent rates and all the rest of it. You've got 25% to all your suppliers. Then say 25% to your staff. If you're lucky, you walk away with 25% profit, if you're lucky. But generally, most restaurants don't. 
So to suddenly have, you know, that 25%, you know, given back to you for nine months just to get your business established. Because, again, as I said, opening the restaurant isn't just opening the door and letting people come in. Opening restaurants cost money to do that. You need money in the bank to buy supplies. You need to, you know, everyone gave all their food away to charities. You know, the, you know, City Harvest, Felix Project, you know, we're getting cardloads of produce. Everyone's emptied all their fridges, freezers and all the rest of it. So everyone's got to reestablish all that to get, you know, food in the business, top up the wines, get, you know, get things through, clean the restaurants. You know, it's going to take money to do that. So any rent-free period will help us out like that. Hmm. And what what do you think the lasting impact would be on the on the London restaurant uh, scene? Because obviously that's where mm. that's where the majority of restaurants are. I mean, what's it going to be like? You know, six months, eight months, ten months time. Oh, Jesus Christ! I don't know. It's a hundred and ten dollar question, isn't it? Hundred million dollars. I mean, I hope there's not too many casualties. We've obviously seen a few. You know. Coluccio's has gone, you know, I, I, you know, I'm in regular contact with Mark, you know, Hicks's restaurants, you know, I think I'd take, you know, there could be more, I don't know, you know, there might be restaurant groups that have, you know, six or seven and maybe they only open five, you know, I don't think it's going to be quite as easy as everyone um, hopes it will be. And what about the future? I think I'm in a very fortunate position, you know, I, I, I've, you know, I'm, I'm okay. You know, I've got access to good food. I've, I'm, I've got access to going outside, you know, and there's a lot of people that don't have that. So this is not easy, but I don't think I'm the worst in the world. So I think we all have to sort of take a long look at ourselves and really appreciate what the good things in life are. And, you know, someone said to me, actually, they said, oh, what's, what's your first holiday after this? And I sort of thought, should we even go on a plane? You know, and you read that suddenly there's dolphins in Venice and, you can breathe clearly, you know, and all the things and people in China suddenly see the sky for the first time because there's been no planes flying over them. You sort of think, Christ, what have we done to this planet? We should all just go and live in a field in a tent. That's what I reckon, Stefan. Hopefully we don't go back to the mad consumerism society we were. I'd like to think we don't. The fact that we're all very much, you know, oh, it's broken. Let's get another one and actually sort of just curb a bit of our sort of materialism, I think wouldn't be a bad thing. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, well, thanks. Thanks for Pleasure. To, to me, Andrea.